Welcome to Manfully Live Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in to Manfully Live Podcast, I am your host, Mike with a mic, and next to me is Deacon Nick. Manfully Alive comes from the well-known quote from St. Irenaeus that says the glory of God is manfully alive. Well, I, I don't know a single human out there that doesn't want to experience the glory of God. And so in order to experience that, according to St. Irenaeus, we need to become these men fully alive. You know anybody who's ever been, you know, fully alive? Well, <laughs> it sounds cliche, but yes, of course, Christ himself was fully alive. Ah, but I don't so, know that I've met many others. Yeah. However, well, I will say, I w- even though I couldn't speak to him because I didn't speak Polish or any of the other nine languages, even though I do think he spoke English, I did meet and touch John Paul II. I think he was pretty well alive. Yeah. I don't know about fully, but I don't know he if was, anybody is. He had moments of fully alive. Oh, yeah. He was aliveness. Awesomeness. Uh, but the only way that we become these men fully alive is by uniting ourselves with Christ. Yes. By talking with them, the same way we, we unite ourselves with friends. And Christ leaves us his gospels. That is one way that we can communicate with them. And that's what we strive to do here on Manfully Alive Podcast. Hear the Gospels and unite ourselves with the words of our Lord. Amen. Yeah. So why don't we, uh, you want to kick us off in a prayer? Let's do that. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us, upon all our listeners, upon your entire church especially given all of the events that we see in the news, all of the terrible tragedy, pain, suffering, uh, victimhood that we see within our church. And we ask you, Lord, to bring your spirit. We invite your spirit into hearts and minds of your entire church. All of us who are shocked and appalled, all of those who are victimized, and also, Lord, we pray in a special way for um, for those who have fallen so far from grace. And we ask for your justice. And we ask for uh, your healing power, your healing balm within the church, especially for the victims. And so, <clears throat> uh, with a heavy heart, we enter into this podcast and we offer it up to you, Lord, that we may proclaim your word faithfully. And that our hearts and minds and the hearts and minds of those listening may be raised up to you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So if you don't use any form of social media, which tells me you're not listening to a podcast (laughs) on a regular basis, um, there were some sexual uh, predators masquerading as priests for uh, a long period of time functioning within the the scope of the church. And uh, there were some sexual sins uh, enacted over a a long period of time. About 50 years. About 50 years and uh, covered up. 60. um, By co-conspirators of these crimes. And so it was, I won't tell on you if you don't tell on me because we both know about this stuff, but the seal of the confessional binds you from not telling. And at some point, these are things that justice is needed, if not immediately. This is, this is a, a poison and a, a toxic existence within the church. And 
the victims have been wronged on every level here. And healing needs to be sought and justice and the rule of law needs to be served. I think that's exactly right. And in fact, we won't, we won't have peace. We won't have healing until there's justice. And, and, you know, as hard as this, I know so many people within the church are feeling this very personally, very deeply. It's a very difficult thing for our church to go through for us to witness. And yet at the same time, I think it's a healthy attitude for us to take to say that the purging has to be more complete. We have to purge this from our church once and for all. It needs to be a violent removal of the sin. Eradicated, yes, absolutely. Rooted out and destroyed. And uh, a lot of oversight and a lot of collaboration and a lot of work is going to be necessary to have that happen. So, and until that's done, true <clears throat> healing, I don't, I don't believe that healing would be possible until that's done. You're right. You're right. So we as members of the Catholic church, um, one of us being a member of the clergy, uh, wish to all of you out there listening, every single one of you, whether a victim of any form of this or not, our deepest condolences for the pain that this has caused within our faith and a true desire that we begin to live fully as a church, the gospel and the will of our Lord present in the Eucharist on a day-to-day basis, which ties perfectly into the challenge that we have. You know, I, uh, I look at, I look at the necessity of confession as a man, you know, there, there is nothing about being a man filled with all, all good things that men are capable of and all bad things that men are capable of. The necessity of the confessional is so, so important, but that is not forgiveness from the humans that you've affected in life. That's the Lord's forgiveness only. And until you take full repentance of those sins, you are not fully forgiven. So part of, part of that repenting is to seek out the victims of your sin, the victims and those bystanders that, that were absolutely affected or made complicit in the sin of what you've committed. This could be, you know, someone who was dramatically hurt by a decision that you made based out of sin. And that was the wrong action to take and and their life was affected in one way or another or their innocence was affected and you took something away from them. In the world we live in, it seems so commonplace that people have one night stands and in the dawn of a tinder or these things, it, it, it has real lasting profound effects. Sexual assault seems to be so prevalent in the world we live in, but it should never, ever have ever found its way into the church. It should never have functioned in this way. But these are humans capable of both good and bad. 
And sadly, this is a moment where the bad has come to light and the bad existed. So the reason this is relevant and I'm talking about the necessity of the confessional is because in order to do last week's challenge, letting the reality of the Eucharist have full effect on your life, you have to be in a state where you can actually experience the reality of the Eucharist, which means you have to be no longer in a state of mortal sin. Which means if, if, if you're somebody who looks at pornography and, and has you know, structured time in your day to, to masturbate or to allow sin of some kind, maybe you're stepping out on your spouse, maybe you're doing something um, just truly toxic to your family and you're, you're having you know, a long-term extramarital affair, whatever that sin is, it must be rooted out for you to even experience a, a, a sampling of the reality of the Eucharist. So get to confession if, if, you're, if you find yourself in that state. But for those that are not in that state, letting the reality of the Eucharist have full effect on your life is a huge challenge and is a lifelong challenge to see this commonplace bread and wine in the full reality of the body and the blood of Christ. And I think it's even fair to say that all people find themselves on the path of seeking virtue, seeking grace, seeking love, seeking Christ, and simultaneously avoiding sin, avoiding the temptation to sin, avoiding vice. Um, and so to the extent that we do one, we seek confession, and to the extent that we do the other, we seek the Eucharist to help us to be bonded to the rest of our brothers and sisters throughout the church and throughout the world. Um, and so I, I had a great experience of this challenge this week. I, I'm very fortunate to get a very interesting and, and different perspective of the Eucharist from the backside of the altar. And so uh, every time the Eucharist is held up by the priest, uh, I'm able to look upon it within his hands, uh, at, you know, very closely. And I'm often just struck at about the reality the power, the majesty, the awe of Christ's presence within his hands and how humble it is to be able to be so close to that miracle, that sacrament, that grace that God wants to give us, bestow upon us. And so um, for me, on those days when I am fully conscious, God helps me to get even closer to being fully alive. Um, I don't know that I'm ever actually there, but I do know that God is, is able to affect my heart and able to pull me out of myself yeah. and helps me to transform my life. And this is one of the first weeks that we are no longer in the bread of life discourse. Yes. So it, it, it's, it's just a good final challenge of actually allowing the bread and life that we, that we experience in the Eucharist, right, to affect us, to have the, the, the actual presence of of being this spiritual food for the journey to take us past this sort of complacent existence of just oh i go to church right like yeah. going to church is not enough you have to participate in the sacraments that are being offered and and, and you have to be seeking virtue and avoiding vice yeah yeah I, okay so i'm watching uh, this past weekend um was the 65th wedding anniversary of sarah's grandparents okay so uh wife is just rocking this you know has a beautiful family. We, we go out and we're celebrating this. 
And and the next day, you know, they're all from Nebraska, so I'm watching a, a Huskers <laughs> a Huskers preseason basic documentary on Scott Frost and what he's doing. And one of his assistant coaches says there's one of two things that are going to happen every day. You're going to get better or you're going to get worse. Yeah. Status quo, this is what I took away. So this is a Michaelism on there, but status quo does not exist. Yeah. You never maintain. You either get better or you get worse every yes. day. And that's the way we need to look at our faith. Yes. Because maintaining means deteriorating. The same with your skill set on the football field, right? Yeah. And so... It's a form the, of backsliding. Yeah. yeah. To, to, to say the least, the perfect Catholic that we can aspire to be every single day is a practicing one. Taking the teachings of the church and putting them into practice and so if you haven't received that Eucharist in a while, get to it. Yeah. The food is hot and ready, <laughs> you know? So, and especially at this time of necessity of spiritual food, find a good, wholesome, wonderful priest, which most of them out there are. Yes. yes. Most of them are. But... <laughs> the priests that we've seen in the scandal really have put a stain on the brotherhood that is the priesthood and well, the diaconate and find them and then, and then go to confession Yeah, and, and seek the path, right? The way the early Christians were called, they weren't called Christians. They were called members of the way, the way of Christ, the way of holiness, the way of glorifying God. So before we get too far along, we better get to the gospel for this week. Uh, you want to take it away? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. When the Pharisees with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands, keeping the tradition of the, tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes questioned him, Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? He responded, well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He summoned the crowd again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that enters one from outside can defile that person. But... The things that come out from within are what defile. From within people, from their hearts, come evil thoughts, unchastity, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, licentiousness, envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All these evils come from within and they defile. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. 
So it should be said, you know, today is September 2nd, and this this is the gospel for that day. Um, and of course, we always record a week in advance, and so that's why we're talking so much about what happened in the church in Pennsylvania and throughout America today. Uh, but this gospel, in a particular way, I think, lends itself to talking both about Christ's message and uh, the way, the lessons that we can learn uh, in light of, of, of what's going on uh, within our country, within our church. And so, you know, just to start off, I, I, like, I like it whenever there are gospels that talk about the purification rites or the cleansing rituals um, of the Israelite people. God had to teach them what to do, what was proper for them uh, in order to survive. You know, the, the Old Testament laws of purity and purification from God to the Israelite people was intended to save them. This is a world that is pre-antibiotic. They had, they had to learn how, how to cleanse things in order to stay healthy. And so God is concerned for them. God is showing his concern for the cleanliness of their household and of their bodies so that they may have health. But that was just like, like the first stage of things, right? Jesus wants, well, God the Father wants to teach them more than that. It's more than just the body. It's more than just being healthy. And so early on, they are concerned with cleanliness of the outside of, of their bodies, right? But now we see Jesus talking about and focusing on the cleanliness of soul. No longer concerned with the exterior uh, cleanliness of the body. And in fact, calling them hypocrites if they focus too much on the cleanliness of the body or the external cleanliness rather than the state of their soul. And so Jesus is calling them to understand that it is not what they put in their body in terms of food or what it is they do with their body in terms of cleanliness, but what comes out of them that can be unholy, the state of their heart and the state of their mind. And so uh, this is a very powerful reading. I just love it. I think, oh gosh, I just, I, I see myself in this situation though, like having small children, I'm concerned with the cleanliness of the house. I'm concerned <laughs> with the cleanliness of the table. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm constantly concerned with the cleanliness of my kids because they're like, hey dad, look what I just found on the street. Right. I'm like, oh good, or, a Band-Aid. Or pulled or, out of my nose. Yeah. 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 E. Oh, do you put that in your mouth, huh? And so... <laughs> I find myself so constantly drawn to the cleanliness of the outside world, but so infrequently am I finding myself in this state of just kind of teaching those basic levels of understanding of, hey, you don't put everything you find in your mouth. Right, right. <laughs> um, and so I, I you know, but it, it, it bears repeating that the cleanliness we, we, we should seek out, the cleanliness we should be focused on is the cleanliness of our souls and the cleanliness of our hearts. Yes. Because so infrequently do people focus on that interior life, focus on this. You know, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux and, oh gosh, any of St. Teresa of Avila. Yeah, they, they, the cross. Yeah, they, these are the people that focused on purely, you know, we're not, I'm not, I'm not trying to develop this perfect body. Right. But I am trying to develop this perfect spirit and this perfect communion with our Lord through my interior condition. And so there's got to be some sort of happy medium there where we can be in the world, but not of the world. Yes. 
and 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 that is the the whole economy of salvation it is our participation in the sacraments it is our growth in the virtues and it's our avoidance of sin and so i mean jesus's moral laws are intended to keep our soul alive alive similar to the way in which the purification laws save the body from illness and so really it it's accurate to say that sin is an illness it is death of the soul and and we have to be focused on on purifying our actions our intentions our words everything that we do we, we have to consciously be aware of what it is we are doing to seek the lord to put him at the center of our lives yeah i think even more so where there's a big push right now in the world to eat clean and think clean and breathe clean. And yeah. I'm worried about the quality of the water in my house. I'm worried about the food. And I'm worried sure. about everything. Be but green yet, and organic. But sure. yet I do not filter the type of content that comes through my Netflix. Yeah. I do not filter the type of content that comes through my internet connection. And yet these things are received in the body and they defile what is true and what is holy. If you are out there and you find yourself addicted to pornography or even tawdry love novels, you know, yeah, these things are not cleaning your inside. They are distorting the facts of real, true, life-giving, selfless love that Christ is calling us to. Yeah. And they, you know, it bears, it, it bears more relevance right now with what has come to light recently in Pennsylvania with the state of the church that sexual sin is prevalent in any area of life. And may I say it's prevalent in all faiths in the same context, but even more so those sexual predators out there, the rapists, the, the people that murder, there is an incredibly high correlation that these people have with an addiction to pornography and in an addiction to that dopamine reaction from, from masturbation and, and all of these other lewd acts that people say, oh, that's just normal. Like every men's magazine out there says, you know, it's healthy for you to have a regular clean out of your pipes downstairs. No, no, it is not because you are distorting true beauty and true love and you have no longer governed those disciplines of your lust. And yeah. lust has taken root in your soul. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and as much as we are, I mean, we can only say that we are sorry and sorrowful for the sins that have happened in our church. And honestly, I hope, I hope other churches can simply look to us as an example of how to purify and don't have to go through the same kind of hmm, purification that we're going through because yeah. it's hard. And yet at the same time, we have to admit the fact that within our society, these things are very, very prevalent. Yeah. Um, and the things that we take in now, is it possible for men to be exposed to things like pornography and not be enticed by them and not act upon them? Yes, that's possible, but it's not likely. And, and, and so even though Jesus says that it's not the things that are outside of us that defile us, what we have to realize is what we consume is what will come out. And so if we are consuming pornography those thoughts, those actions, those behaviors, those assumptions about society or thoughts about women or children or whatever are going to come out. And so we have to be careful about what we consume 
and not consume pornography, but goes back to our original point in the challenge, consume the Lord in the Eucharist. Yeah. Let him be what feeds us so that it is him that comes out of us, his love, his grace, his mercy, his, his desire to serve. Being a man in the world right now, consuming pornography at a high level and assuming that someday you'll have a healthy functioning relationship has the same level of intelligence of believing that putting pizza and dairy queen and ice cream and sugar and, and, and Dr. Pepper and Fritos in your body and saying, I'm going to live in perfect health. And that doesn't make sense because your body needs real factual nutrients. And so it's important to note that the quality of what you put in is equal to the quality of what you become and what you put out. That's very true. That's very true. We, you know, the saints are exceedingly concerned with what they take into their soul because they're exceedingly concerned about what comes out of their soul. But that doesn't mean that they neglect the body, right? The saints know that the body is the instrument by which our soul is animated and able to give itself and, and uh, to the world. You know, you know, all those, the list of all those companies, those brand names, I think you're going to owe them money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a possibility. But it's important to note that these aren't, these aren't companies that are marketing themselves as health foods. That's true. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but God is marketing his law as a way to keep your soul alive. And so similar to these, these purification laws that are to save your body from illness, God's law is to keep your soul alive and thriving. And it, it bears, it bears saying that if we, if we fail to absorb that moral law, that we put ourselves susceptible to terrible sin and truly terrible pain in the wake of that sin. Yes. Not, not just within ourselves, because our sins are not just our own. Our sins affect all that we come in contact with. Everyone. Everyone. Absolutely. And I think it's fair to say, uh, before we run too long with this podcast, I think it's fair to say that the sacraments are imperative. We must receive the sacraments in order to have the grace to live the life. But if we are not conscious of loving the Lord, of serving the Lord, we may receive the sacraments, but still block the grace. It's obvious to me that these priests who did these terrible things were receiving the sacraments and receiving grace, but they blocked the grace because what they were feeding themselves was not of God. They might have been receiving the Eucharist, but they were also devouring pornography. They were also lost inside their own lust, lost within their own darkness of mind. Which blocked, which blocked that reality of the Eucharist from ever affecting them the way it was capable of affecting them had they been in a right state of life That's right. and a right state of soul. And so the point that I want to make, and I think this could be our challenge for this week, is I think it's important for us to not only receive the sacraments, but we have to spend time reflecting upon what it is we've received. Because if we don't consciously and intentionally acknowledge that Christ is within us, and respond appropriately to that reality, then the grace is lost to us. We have to be conscious of what it is Christ is doing within us and respond to the grace that he desires to give us. And so I would challenge our listeners to not only receive the sacraments, but to do so in a way that is fully 
conscious and aware as much as an individual is, is capable of, of the immense love and grace that God has for us. And let that be what forms our heart so that what we say and what we do and how we act out in the world is grace-filled rather than sin-filled. Excellent challenge. So dwell in those sacraments. Dwell on what you've received in that grace over this next week. And put yourself into sacraments. If you are not finding yourself in sacraments, get to Mass. Get Experience the, the liturgy of the Word. Experience the liturgy of the Eucharist. And find yourself in a place where sacraments are rich. And if you're married, find yourself in your marriage. If you're, if, if you're baptized, just say thank you to the Lord for let, you know, letting you have the knowledge of him in the first place. And just dwell in his presence the way a son would dwell in the presence of his father. Even if it's silent and even if it's just for a moment. Uh, I went to confession this past week, and the uh, penance was to pray the memorare. Mm, uh, good prayer. Three times. And so I would like to have that be our closing prayer this week. This is called the memorare. It is a prayer that, that honors Mary and the example that she had in her life going about receiving the ability for Christ to come in the world. Um, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come before thee, I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This was a this was a this is a big week, guys, and I I cannot thank the Lord enough for making this come out at a point where this gospel would be waiting for us. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. Teachings teaching as doctrines human precepts. Yes, and we pray. We pray uh, for the cleansing of the church. We pray for the victims and the healing of their hearts. And we pray that the Lord Jesus will pour his mercy and grace upon us. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in for Manfully Alive podcast. My name is Mike with a mic. And I'm Deacon Nick. Have a great week, guys.